1: Shalom from Jerusalem powers in play a look at uh, the world as a chess game or another board game and uh, with us uh, for the uh, next episode of powers in play Our colonel in the reserves Miri Eisen. Hello Miri Another retired reserve colonel retired, Retired, but sometimes on active reserve Eran Lerman, Dr. Aran Lerman, welcome um, our Sergeant. our <laughs> diplomat in residence uh, Ambassador Alon Pinkas um, Former consul general uh, in New York And a senior official uh, at the um, foreign ministry And retired colonel Reuven Ben Shalom Welcome to all of you Is the uh, Cold War coming back? The question is posed because uh, we are now marking 30 years to the end of the original Cold War which uh, ended in uh, late December 1991 with the the dissolution of the uh, Soviet Union and the emergence of Russia uh, as the leader of uh, what was then called the Commonwealth um, and then uh, separate uh, republics uh, some of whom resemble in their regimes, uh, the old uh, Soviet uh, era. And because uh, we are now uh, faced with crisis between Russia and the Ukraine, China and Taiwan, and other um, hot points uh, around the world, the question uh, is now being summed as, are we going uh, to uh, start? Are we uh, facing A new second Cold War. Iran Lerman, please.
2: Well, the Cold War had three characteristics. It was, the world became bipolar. You were either with the Soviets or with the Americans. It became unsustainable, as our Egyptian neighbors found out, to actually try to successfully maneuver in in between. You
1: don't don't believe that the term non-aligned was really that?
2: All, most of the non-aligned ended up being aligned with one block or the other or found themselves at the receiving end of, of nudges from both. Uh, the second element was uh, the nuclear competition, the, uh, not ever escalating. In the 1970s, it came under some control. But the, the, the fact that both blocks, both uh, Superpowers held the capacity to destroy not just each other, but the entire world several times over. One wonders how you do it the second time, but they had six or seven overkills by some estimates.
1: You get better at it, as you (laughs) go along.
2: And the third was the ideological divide. Uh, The Soviet Union stood for a very different uh, social order, very different uh, set of economic. Uh, the situation now is more complicated um, because, uh, true, the People's Republic of China, which is the, uh, the rising leader, Russia, with all due respect, has 4% of the aggregate uh, GDP of the NATO alliance. You don't compete uh, for world leadership as an economy the size of South Korea or, or smaller than Italy. Uh, but China is a very different proposition. But uh, China is a hybrid case in two respects. Uh, It is um, a communist party in control of a semi-capitalist economy. And unlike the Soviet Union, and for the immediate and intermediate future, it is dependent on export markets and and in a a very intensive interrelationship with the international global economic system. So for, for the Chinese to bring it down, by an act of uh, brutalizing Taiwan, which would be very costly, very bloody. I've just read uh, a piece by a former uh, Australian uh, Prime Minister Rudd, Kevin Rudd, who's uh, actually a uh, I mean, he, uh, China scholar. China scholar uh, reads Mandarin and is, is current with what she oh, yeah, is place. doing. And and he, he warns the Chinese that they, this may lo- look like a small morsel, but it will be a very painful one to try and bite. But the the uh, general result internationally, uh, the collapse of Chinese ability to, to go to international markets, all of this would have catastrophic consequences for the Chinese government. So this is different from the Cold War. You know?
1: Alon, uh, you just came back from the United States where you had uh, conversations. Uh, with key uh, officials in Congress and, and elsewhere. Is this the view in Washington? And if it is, uh, does the Biden administration find common cause um, with its European allies and others, or, or the Japanese?
3: Well, with the Japanese, obviously, yes, because the uh, the big challenge and threat is, is perceived to be China. And there's no question that there is a, uh, a, a dramatic and consistent shift of U.S. resources, intellectual expenditure of thinking, and, and, and a, uh, a movement of resources to the Chinese. Uh, Henry
1: Kissinger was perhaps the first one. To identify many years he ago, did,
3: but he did it in the context of uh, encircling the Soviet Union rather than uh, no.
1: Even, even later, as, as he, a, did. A civilian. he did, he did. Yeah.
3: He, cer- he most certainly did. Um, he writes
2: but- very few thin books, and uh, <laughs> right. one about China wasn't one of them.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's true, um, and and you do see you do see um, a, a definition of China as the next great evil empire. However. As Iran correctly, I think, correctly pointed out, uh, unlike the Soviet Union, the Chinese economy is dependent on the U.S. and 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 vice versa. Yeah. Uh, there is an interconnectedness uh, that cannot be undone. Um, with that in mind, you know, we we you asked your initial question, Amir, was about the Cold War. We have a ten- a human tendency to define things that we we can't yet define. Uh, um, Accurately in terms of things we can define because they were in the past and then draw conclusions This is not this is not a Cold War in the Soviet American sense Um, and the question is is it going to be um, a 1980s let's bash Japan because they're taking over America which never materialized Mm. or is it a a serious thing in which uh, the US may find itself and you may have Read Admiral Stavridis' book, uh, novel uh, 2034, about a miscalculation that begins in the South China Sea, expands to Taiwan, and, and before you know it, uh, um, there's a mini-war going on, and ergo, it is no longer a Cold War. It's definitely the, the defining issue for America right now. Not the Middle East, not Ukraine, which seems to be nothing more than a nuisance for them. Not the Iran nuclear deal. They couldn't care less about that. It's all about China.
1: Well, uh, Miri Eisen, um, uh, the Cold War, the term Cold War, was um, uh, in itself a sort of a takeoff on the World War, World War II, which then beget World War I, because earlier it was only the Great Mm -hmm. uh, War. And uh, you are an experienced intelligence Mm -hmm. officer by trade. Can intelligence professionals predict what is going to happen shortly? Of course, they can predict the long run because and no one well. no one, <laughs> yes, no one will be there to, to judge them. But in the shorter run, two, three, five years, can intelligence, with all of the marvelous devices that the human mind uh, has come up with? can it uh, predict uh, the trends, at least, if not, the actions themselves? And if they do, Can strategic planners make out of it some outline and change and influence the uh, shape of things to come?
4: So look at what Amir just did. He separated the strategic decision makers from the intelligence community. And here I want to combine them back in. Because there's no question that the intelligence community anywhere is going to try to predict to build scenarios because everybody needs to make plans and we don't know what's going to happen. Having said that, in today's world, maybe we need to coin a new term. Don't like the Cold War either, it's not a world war, but there is a global struggle going on in its own way. It's like the globalization struggle where it isn't necessarily, it's rapidly changing alliances that are based a bit more both economically realpolitik What does the intelligence do? The intelligence is going to build a scenario. But every intelligence builds the scenario for its own national country. I don't build it for the United States. I don't have the same interests in Israel. I'm looking from my point of view to the world. The United States is a world power. They're looking at it differently. But
3: there are derivatives. You but have, as an intelligence officer, you have to bear that in mind.
4: I agree, but I, I and I disagree. Because I've sat inside the Israeli intelligence community, and the people inside the intelligence community that are looking at the world are not the main essence of the Israeli intelligence community. You're going to look first at the threats that you really feel, and at the term itself in that sense, threats and opportunities. And that aspect of looking globally at the different powers in play is always going to be relative to where you sit within that. So I do think that we'll build scenarios. And I think one of the biggest questions right now on our table is that huge issue of Israel has an economic strong relationship with China and with Europe. And then you get the United States it's dwindling. And as you see that going in and about, that's part of the question. Where are our choices? Do we actually think we're going to choose strategically? anybody over the United let, States. let me ask
1: Reuven that question because you are very familiar with both the Chinese and the Americans and When Israel has to come up with some construct The Americans are now officially calling China our pacing rival. That means that when they uh, build their defense uh, Establishment they look at China uh, as the bigger threat, the bigger um, challenge uh, around which they write their contingency plans, and if there are smaller wars, they will try to adapt to them. Now, China is not a military threat to Israel, but Israel can be crushed between the two giants. Mm
0: -hmm. I think it's a very interesting point because uh, we sort of put ideology aside, as if in this day and age, we just talk about interest, resources but I think ideology is always there. It's almost like uh, a lot of the clashes that we see have to do with peoples that have this sense that, they, that uh, they've been let down or not respected enough. I think that's a very important part of the Chinese narrative these days, right? We've been humiliated for 100 years. It's mm-hmm. our turn now. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, it's interesting, by the way. In 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 a way, this small country, Israel, also has some of these characteristics, right? We believe we have this important place in the world, etc. Of course, no global aspirations. You but see
4: to, it on the China side too, in the way sometimes they look at Israel and Israel's narrative. Yeah. Is oh, absolutely,
2: well, but but what's, it's, it's, well, what's it's interesting? The Jewish people, you die, you know. We so I, so I think old, these issues old
0: old people. I think yeah. these these issues, of course, of, of, old peoples. of psychology almost, are, are critical to understand. Also, look at the fact that the Americans have ingrained in them this idea they want to. Export democracy. Export the ideas. The Chinese don't want to export anything, right? They just want their Good. place in the world. They are the center of the world for them. They don't want to change anybody else or even conquer, by the way. But they certainly want to be a world uh, a power. Okay, I see for decades my American counterparts using rhetoric that is much more than what you just said. More than rivals, they talk about threats, enemies. Pilots are preparing for dogfights with Chinese pilots. I think a lot of this is an exaggeration because... It, it already happened in Korea. And it, and it could happen again, by the way, in South China. Sea, easily. Look what's happening. Well, there's going to be a miscalculation. But I'm just saying that the Chinese, at, at least overtly, are almost insulted. How can they think that about us? All we want is a place in the world, right? So, of course, the Chinese know to play the game masterfully. Right? They have their aspirations, their ambitions... And they're doing it in a calculated way. Another thing that we Israelis don't really understand, they have a very structured philosophy. They even write it down. They write in the Communist Party convention, they talk about what the next plan is going to be. It's certainly not dogfights with American pilots, but it's, it's a, an honorable place in the world and to be a world leader.
1: And when you read uh, statements uh, by um, the key officials of the Department of Defense, the Pentagon, Including, for instance, Admiral Christopher Grady, uh, who has been nominated uh, as the uh, next vice chairman of the Joint uh, Chiefs of Staff. You see uh, a lot of concern regarding the Chinese incursion right now, commercially, diplomatically, first to Africa and then to Latin America. Are these going to be the new arenas in which the powers in play will contend with each other?
2: Well, the BRI definitely is... Uh, Belt and Road Initiative. Belt and Road Initiative. Yi Dai Yi Lu, uh, to the best of my limited Chinese. Uh, it's is certainly a cause for concern for the Americans because it builds leverage. It builds leverage in the Gulf. Uh, we saw a, a small power play over what seemed to be a, a covert um, military hold in the uh, Emirates uh, by the Chinese, which
1: the Americans... Uh, Just an innocuous port.
2: Yeah, Well, there was something in that port that uh, apparently uh, led the Americans to uh, push back. Um, and, and so that's, that's definitely part of the story. Latin America, of course, is uh, susceptible to economic pressures. Um, well, uh, some years ago, there was a notion of the BRICS. The BRICS was supposed, which is an elegant uh, contraption, but <laughs> in terms of its initials, but it actually uh, pulled together very uh, disparate uh, nations. Certainly disparate now under and, uh, and uh, the current Jair uh, 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 Z- Z- uh, Bolsonaro is certainly not one with China or with uh, or with Russia.
1: Brazil, Russia, uh, India, Brazil, India, China.
2: Russia, India, China, think and they
4: China found that as being, continuing to what Reuven said before, in its own way insulting mm. to be put in that same group. Mm. Yeah. So there's very different ways of looking at that because I think it had an impact then. Who are they to put us in that group? We it was, are... I think
2: a way of the Russians, I think, tried to push for it. Uh, and South Africa was thrown in, uh, basically saying this is the club of nations which would lead their regional uh, uh, areas and would oppose American hegemony. This, this was the essence of it. Of course, nothing came out. They still meet from time to time, but it's an empty box. Uh, but still, the Chinese would definitely push, uh, particularly for the uh, uh, Pacific Ocean. Uh, coastal nations of uh, Latin America.
4: I'm gonna step in here for a moment and just add in that sense that Iran kind of just mentioned you know the big in that sense highway that's being built from China towards both Europe towards Africa for a moment I want us to go down a level we talk about the powers in play we didn't mention Africa as usual and just to think about what it means for people somebody is building a road that road is going to have a real big impact. We're so used to talking about the sea lanes, about the air lanes. China is building road lanes. These are things that are supposed to impact people on but the you ground. But know, you
1: know, Mary, in the in 1950s... Um, the the Ameri-
4: United States built interstate highways and changed not, not, the United no, no, States.
1: No, 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 but in the same time. the 19-
4: not, but yes.
1: During the Cold War, mm-hmm. um, when Afghanistan, for instance, was in play... The Americans and the Soviets built roads there traversing the country one power built it north to south, the other east to west mm. and never the twin shall meet. <laughs> so um, people had uh, to uh, obey the strategic imperatives of their, of their patrons. But
4: I don't <coughs> underestimate that aspect of things that are being built. It's 2021 now. It's not the 1950s. It's not the Cold War. And when a country like China invests in practical aspects that impact people in creating jobs, well maybe not. They send a lot of Chinese to do so. Right. But in that sense here in Israel under our own radar, we have a Chinese port We have different things that are going to benefit Israel It's not
3: That's under not. the American radar. L- let, let, me bring <laughs> in, let me bring
1: in another term, NATO, You're right. the North Atlantic Treaty Organization The Atlantic apparently has been um, re- Now at least uh, Relegated to second status. It is not as important for the Americans, as the Pacific. The Pacific could mean, of course, Latin America, but mostly what uh, separates or connects the United States from China. And China in the South China Sea uh, threatens the Philippines and perhaps other uh, countries uh, in the region, of course. There is the problem of uh, Taiwan, Singapore, and, and many other uh, problems. So, what role uh, does NATO still have to play when the attention of the world shifts eastward? I, I
3: don't know, and, and and the thing is, I don't know that NATO knows. Um, and and it's that Well, yeah, um, I think they're happy with being relegated to lesser importance. Um, generations of you, well, two generations at least of Europeans were were. Brought up under an imminent Soviet uh, uh, Armored threats from the east um, That's not the case anymore That doesn't mean that the Baltics are not, uh, are not feeling mm-hmm. the, uh, uh, a, a certain threat or Ukraine for that matter <laughs> um, NATO became more of a political alliance That was weakened as America shifted its emphasis To the uh, far east of the, the Pacific uh, Rim um, NATO may move down south but And NATO may be used at some point uh, To counter Chinese initiatives with not military. I'm talking about I
4: want to ask you a question How can NATO have any relevance when Turkey is a strong member? I look at that and I go What uh, in the uh, world is
1: this? No, it's not Turkey. It's It's, the problem of consensus that each decision Must be agreed to by all 30. Let me me try. (laughs) Let
3: me try and answer that although we're 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 downsizing the conversation. But it's about NATO. Here's the thing. There are two major mistakes, strategic mistakes in retrospect that, that, that NATO made. The first one was not to pressure the EU, the, uh, um, um, while it was established, to include Turkey in it. There, was, there were many promises made to Turkey to be, to be integrated into the European Union that could have saved us uh, uh, this Erdogan phenomenon. But I'm number talking about two, the relevance wait, 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 of Turkey num- number, number two, there was a decade that, ended, that began with the uh, fall of the, the disintegration of the Soviet Union and ended roughly with 9-11. Uh, that was a decade of China not yet emerging as a, as a global world uh, power, and the US enjoying um, almost exclusive dominance and, and hegemonic uh, um, powers all over the place. At that time, NATO was so uh, um, high on, 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 on its own uh, um, Kool-Aid, that they started expanding. And when the Russians said, do not do this, uh, NATO, Russia was weak. And now you have Ukraine, and now you have a member of NATO called Turkey, which acquires S-400 anti-aircraft missiles designed against NATO developed airplanes like the F-35.
4: Is that not showing though in that sense that that idea of NATO being anything today? Well,
1: hold on for a second. Reuven uh, never butts in, but courtesy will get you nowhere.
0: <laughs> so. I will tell, you, I tell you what I think about NATO, but I can't address the Turkey issue. Too complex. But I think Israelis have a tendency to underestimate uh, alliances and organizations. And many times, by the way, when they're gone, we Israelis say, where are they? We need them. <laughs> I think that NATO is critical. And I think, uh, of course, the, the, the foundations are different from after the Second World War. And the whole question of Chapter 5 of protecting each other even has to change because it's more, it's less of a, a kinetic strike of a military, right? What about cyber attacks? Do they have to defend each other now when they're attacked by, through cyber? But I think now the United States, there are things that it can't do uh, alone, but it can do under the umbrella of NATO. And European countries can't promote many of their goals only through NATO. So I think also when we look at NATO, they're not confined geographically. They're working in the Horn of Africa and in Asia I I think the next uh, decade we'll see a strong NATO, and I think it's critical for them. I think they will use that as a tool. Uh, As to the main question here about Cold War, I think I oppose most of you because I think this is a classic Cold War, although, of course, it has some different characteristics. Um, The fact that they're intertwined, and you mentioned that, that's a major difference because when you're intertwined economically, of course, you can't call them... No,
3: not, by the way, no, none of us said it's not a Cold War. No, we just said the, the term... It's not a, yeah. the
2: Cold War. Yeah, knew. exactly. But right. you know, driven
1: the, the United States cooperates uh, with Russia, among others, uh, on Iran uh, regarding the JCPOA. But at the same time, there are sanctions that the United States mm-hmm. imposed on Russia. So uh, how, how can, can one... Live exactly. with this contradiction. I think During the Cold War. They went to space together. You can still see in the uh, apple, Space apple Museum sauce. in and Moscow.
0: Apple, yeah. No, but that and is... To,
1: uh, which was called applesauce. Yes. <laughs> Apollo, Apollo Soyuz.
0: No, but that Apollo is a big <laughs> difference. We're not talking about entities that are out to destroy each other, that actually are actually sitting waiting for the bombs to fall. That's not it anymore. But the world is at war. It's just that in this day and age, everyone understands that going to war with an army... You lose points. So
2: if we, um, uh, but, but let me come in on, yeah. on on NATO because we we tend to forget that by now the EU has been reduced to continental Europe, whereas uh, the NATO still includes, in addition to Canada, which is not a trivial player geopolitically, and Norway, which has perhaps some relevance for the nor- uh, northern northern uh, regions. It includes the United Kingdom, uh, which is in s- in its own way still a formidable. Strategic still united it's uh, hmm.
3: It's still kept together somehow of the three words formidable United Kingdom <laughs> only the kingdom
2: Militarily I wouldn't put them down they are, They, they are uh, and uh, this new business called uh, U- uh, the AUKUS AUKUS uh, is an indication that here's a NATO player coming into the Indo-Pacific.
1: Australia, UK, US.
2: Australia, UK, US, with uh, a a tripartite project on on nuclear submarines. And there's a five-letter word that we haven't mentioned yet, and that's India, which will soon surpass China in terms of population, which has uh, ambitions of its own. And if there is a page taken from the Cold War uh, playbook, it's the concept of containment. And, and that's where the quad comes in. And that's where the, the quad. The quad
3: is more important than AUKUS. The
2: quad, and the and AUKUS, and now the Indian idea of a Western quad, what they as they call it, or a small quad with Israel considered a, a s- s- significant enough strategic player to be counted.
3: There's something called and you intelligence officers were not aware of it when you were actually five a, eyes. No, yeah, the five oh, eyes was always yeah, there. Yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, from a we were the six. No, no, no. The, there's a term that no one can define geographically or politically as Indo-Pacific. No yes. one knows what the hell Indo-Pacific means. How mm. can you call something Indo-Pacific? You know how big that is? <laughs> yes. But it nonetheless exists in the Pentagon and in the State Department. And yes. the Quad is based the, on Japan and India. The, the interim
2: guidance. Uh, course. Is game now, the now game on, let, on, on
1: me, let me expand on the term containment which Iran uh, brought in. What Russia is doing now vis-a-vis the Ukraine and other moves that uh, Putin uh, is obviously setting in place looks like containment. No one talks about rollback. No one is trying to uh, uh, take back the clock to 2013 before the Crimea adventure. And uh, what Putin cleverly does is um, make the other powers, ask him please go back from the border of uh, eastern uh, Ukraine, um, take your, your divisions uh, back, just don't invade. They, they will uh, all heave uh, a sigh of relief if he does that and that will be enough for them. Isn't that the case?
2: But I would say at the end of the day for the small gains for this bite of the Donbass and, and even Crimea, Russia is, has actually sacrificed a much greater gain that could have been there. Back in '91, um, I think it was Jim Baker who spoke about Vancouver to Vladivostok. He envisioned a world in which Russia would be a legitimate, prosperous, integral part of the West. True, the Japanese did nothing to help, mind you. With all uh, that, that's my grievance with with Friedman's book about the olive trees and the and the uh, uh, the cars because the Japanese would not give a, a The penny. Lexus. The Lexus car, and the, the, they wouldn't give a, a, a yen to Russia as long as Russia is holding on to four barren pieces of land which they think is theirs. So territorial uh, grievances are not unique to the Middle East. Having said all this, Russia could have become part of the West. If it is not careful, in the next few decades, it will become irretrievably a Chinese satrapy. And
1: that would be uh, a tragic outcome. But, but isn't isn't this because we all want to see? Little Americas everywhere No, The the Russians don't Here
4: I am sitting and listening to us And I'm going to say in my own terms Our patronizing Western The Russians need to be like us The Chinese need to be like us And I'm sitting here and saying you know there are Actually other options that scare Us all completely We were
3: asked to be in this studio to be patronizing (laughs) (laughs) But I for a moment Or or (laughs) (laughs) Okay,
4: (laughs) But I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about it. I want to point it out for a moment that as we sit here right now, from the different positions that we've presented, we find it very difficult to look at it, not from that Western, very pat- pat- patronizing view in that sense, because maybe China doesn't want to conquer the world and China wants a space and that really scares me and when we talk again in that sense of India or Russia and the different players and then we come back and say but they need to be like us and I'm like who says who Mm -hmm. there's all sorts of different ways to go about I wonder okay I I worry but you say India is going to pass China with the amount of people about demography and again I'm going to be a Reuven right now and say uh, you know the most people are in Africa and we haven't mentioned them. And when we look at the powers in play, it's not just about China being in Africa, United States being in Africa. It's about how Africa is going to be Africa. And we don't look at that at all. What happens if they take a place?
1: But but Mm Reuven, what Miri brings um, is not just an ideological question or philosophical one to be debated at Oxford, Harvard, or Stanford, which is where the Bush administrations Uh, major lights like Condoleezza Rice came from it was the motor behind military moves Iraq was to be uh, made a democracy in spite of itself the Palestinian community Mm -hmm. and many other places um, even even if we put aside interests even let's say out of innocence out, out of um, some idealistic approach, uh, in some cases because of the experience of key officials who came up in the Black South and wanted to bring the same experience and, and same um, uh, influence that well, the United I mean, States or, has.
2: Or, or Jews who fought for Soviet uh, Jewry. In, in de- the 70s and became enemies of Kissinger's realism. Of Indeed.
0: So,
1: Reuben, please. But, uh,
0: this is something that uh, it's National Security 101, understanding the small part that military plays, right? Just a small component of using military might and understanding this Cold War or whatever you want to call it now uh, as a broad struggle for dominance, for resources, for recognition and all that. And the military is playing a smaller and smaller piece in this because it's not worth it. So countries like Russia and China, and we are talking about powers. We're we're talking about powers. So really, I will less mention India because they don't have these uh, aspirations that are perceived as threatening to the West right now. But certainly, Russia and China challenge the U.S. They challenge the current world order. And to achieve this, they do it in tools that are under the threshold that will irritate or bring about military escalation. And they're doing some of these things are, are significant, like Crimea and South China. See what China is doing there? It's almost aggressive, but always carefully under this threshold. So, again, I will see the military is always there. The United States will always project power with their aircraft carriers. But all of them do not want to see the military
1: confrontation. There
2: there are two two technological developments which I think are are changing the nature of the game. One is supersonic um, missiles, which basically uh, undermine the structure of defense or ABM Anti-ballistic missiles. Anti-ballistic missiles from the 70s and and the later generation that was built under the Reagan uh, Star Wars SDI initiative. And the second thing is the um, capacity to destroy satellites in space, which could bring all of us... Mm. Uh, uh, try to imagine the world we live in without internet, without connectivity. Without Was there
1: ever a time when we made the. We
4: ever
3: with lived without it. <laughs> yeah,
1: 10 years ago. No, but
3: certainly. And yet <laughs> again,
4: you went back to the military. And I but think that we, again, yeah. I'm agreeing it's here that we true. need to look at additional dimensions, that it's national security is not just that military dimension. And that when we go there, I think that we're doing discounts to ourselves. Reuven the and then alone.
0: The more we uh, uh, explore technology and the threats emerging, the more we understand why those are tools that nobody wants to use. It's just lose-lose for everyone. So they're going to try to move away from that as much as possible, doing things that are aggressive. And by the way, also we, small Israel, does aggressive actions throughout the Middle East all the way to Iran. And there's always this question of assuming responsibility, yes or no. And we understand the great advantage of not assuming responsibility, even though it's becoming popular now in Israel to... yeah right, to, uh, to say that.
3: Hello. Okay, just just one. No, I, 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 no just go, go ahead. ahead sir. Uh, uh, just, just one, you know, we keep on talking about the Cold War and, and, and superpower and player powers in play. Okay, the U.S. still retains enormous technological, scientific, military and economic power, unprecedented. The U.S. economy is $22 trillion compared to the 15 or 15 and a half trillion of China's economy. But at the same time, U.S. democracy is precarious, it is tenuous, it is backsliding. The U.S.'s ability to project power outside emanates from the U.S.'s strength inside, domestically, and the U.S. has been severely weakened in the last four years. What you saw on the 6th of January, January, Was not a bunch of uh, pro Trump tourists trying to get souvenirs from the Capitol. It was very close, according to the uh, 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 reports uh, um, emerging from the. uh, So it's a good sign. It's
1: convergence between the systems of government and the autocracy. Right.
3: But we in Israel tend to still think of America in terms of of an omnipotent uh, uh, world power that could do whatever it pleases. And us. a shining city on the hill. And a shining city on the hill, which which is, by the way, is, is, was never said. Reagan invented that term. Mm. Um, and, and it's just not that way anymore. And, and if you look at how the world views America, and in the last mm. two years, I'm not talking uh, um, in the last week, um, there is a, a, a steady diminishing in the world's perception of America as a force for positive change and intervention in the world.
2: Let me pose this, this is why uh, Biden made uh, the resurrection of the democratic uh, like-minded community. Uh, what, the summit? Centr- the, not just the summit. The, 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 the whole spirit of the interim guidance that came out in March 21 uh, yeah, was suffused with the notion that we first of all need to reunite the democracies around us.
1: Let, let me pose another uh, topic for. Uh, almost the the last part of of our conversation. And that is, we are all speaking from certain worldviews, perhaps a certain worldview common to all of us, but definitely worldviews, plural. But now with the rise of fake news, Mm -hmm. with social media, are people around the world seeing the planet the same way? Is there uh, a common reality? or are people and governments uh, which are manipulating it, are they reacting to different views of the same world, Miri?
4: I absolutely think that nowadays we are more separated than united. It's not just a question of fake news in that terminology. It's that we live within our echo boxes. And to get outside of our echo boxes takes an action that I think that, I'm being an enormous generalization right now, Dafka, the younger generation. You mean bubbles? Bubbles, echo boxes, and that, that, that there's much less nuance and that people don't get nuance in the way that I think there was more about, and then I'm suddenly going Cold War, kind of lacked nuance. You mm. were on this side or that side. So as if it's similar, but in this case, um, I'm very challenged by the way that people view. Um, I'm going to dive into the one thing which is on the little thing on back. I like that. You know, we haven't spoken at all about the pandemic. But just think of the different views. And I'm going, how can people have views about the pandemic? But there are views about the pandemic. And I don't think of them as legit. And we call them fake news. But that's part of the challenge. It's not just on the pandemic. It's on every single subject.
1: But this particular um, uh, dimension that you mentioned is really about... Science Mm -hmm. about theology, about conspiracy, about
4: belief, about ideology, and all of the above.
1: Iran science has been degraded
2: uh, from its position of of almost a a religious reverence that uh, it held, uh, let's say in the in the twentieth century or parts of the twentieth century. Uh, Everything from the bomb. To uh, inoculations that that killed uh, pandemics and people adored and admired scientists. Nowadays, I think it didn't begin with the pandemic. It began with the questioning of global warming uh, as a systemic doubt Mm -hmm. cast on the wisdom of the scientists when it clashed with the interests of certain powerful groups.
4: An ideology, not just. And then,
2: and then, uh, and and that tied in with Al
1: Gore twenty years ago.
2: If you, well, struggling against people uh, who, who basically doubted the validity of the science behind his, uh, his predictions. And of course, Trump took this. Uh, the, the Trump is, uh, I agree, uh, a, a significant event. It is not a hiccup. Uh, what he stood for, uh, what he did to the validity of science, for example, is highly troubling.
1: Alternative this. facts. Alone. What? Are you are you uh, confident um, that, people, that people will reach the judgment based on some agreed set of facts? Okay. On the one hand, we all have complaints about you
3: know technology and and we all use this and there's connectivity, and that allowed uh, um, um, psychopaths and 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 uh, fact deniers and science deniers mm-hmm. to come out, but they were always there. They connect with each other now. They are more vocal now. The the idea that yeah, technology is going to provide the great equalizer and democratize well, had had a flip side to it. On the other hand, if in, we're, in the twenties,
2: you could stand trial in the states for teaching evolution.
3: Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. In the 1920s, and there were always conspiracy theories that we just they just didn't have websites uh, about the earth being flat and Elvis Presley being seen in Miami Beach or. Right here next to Jerusalem. And
4: Some of our viewers right kidding. now are very upset. Oh, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no,
3: Elvis, um, uh, right? no, 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 no. Elvis leaves. No, I. Okay. On the, on the other hand, on the other hand, let me just one. When, when, I know people well, tend to five seconds. Pe- people tend to be pessimistic. In terms of the evolution of humanity, this is probably the best time ever the access to readily available. I'm not saying that it's equal. I'm not saying that the- uh, Are we going
1: to survive? Yes. Okay, that's yeah. fine uh, for, for the time being. Uh, thank you, our four powers here. <laughs> Ruben Ben Shalom, Alon Pinkas, Iran Lerman, and Miri Eisen. And Shalom and Merry Christmas to our viewers around the world. And we will see you in another episode soon.